Hello, everyone. I'm Jose Betancourt. With me today, I have Rich Butler from RageWorks.net. What's going on, man? Hey, brother. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being the first official guest. Now, this is a photography podcast, but you and I have met many, many years ago podcasting. That's uh, right. Whether it was electronics, video games, entertainment in general, we've talked about almost everything. We never talked about photography on a podcast. That's right. We have not. And the funny thing is, we really didn't know that we were both into photography. I think you might have been into it a lot earlier than I have because you do video and you do, uh, as, as I stated, you've been in podcasting a very long time, but you've been doing videos, I think, a lot longer than I have. And, and, and to your credit, you're, in my opinion, a lot more advanced in, in your video work than I am. But because of video, I remember our first conversations about cameras was a Canon 70D. Yep. I had a 70D. That was, that was one of my first, I, I think a lot of it for me was because you, you know, when, when you're running your own site or whatever the case may be, and you know, this, you got to learn everything and anything you need for the site, because number one, you don't have money. Number two, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have a person who has that skill set. So it, it, you know, a lot of it was self-taught, you know, from podcast editing to even photography and a lot of that stuff even even that still it's a work in progress you know like i don't i don't still i don't shoot in manual full time because i'm just not comfortable in it yeah uh, but i try to you know or i'll try and do like shutter priority or aperture priority but full manual even with video stuff i don't do just because i'm not there yet you know that that's where you know the skill level changes because like i said you know you shoot manual you're you're fully well versed in all that and and that's what i mean when i say that for a lot of the stuff it's you have to learn it, but it's, it's still, mm -hmm. I'm still learning. It's incomplete, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still learning as well. And that's the basis of this podcast, right? Is that I'm not an expert. I'm not someone who has a magazine or have been, uh, given the luxury of being published for an art show or whatever I'm learning. So as I learn, I just document what I'm learning. But the funny thing was, I think when you had your Canon 70 D I was in the process of looking for my first DSLR, and I did make an episode regarding that, which was the Nikon, uh, a D3400. Then I worked my way up to a D7100. But I remember when researching which camera to get, the 70D at the time for Canon was like the, the camera to get for vloggers because of the autofocus system. Yep. Now, how good was that autofocus system? Well, here's here's the funny thing. The 70D I ended up getting initially. I had bought a um a Sony A6300, I want to say, and you know, love love the Sony the Sony system at the time, and it was great. Took amazing photos, but that articulating screen just what it didn't have it. So mm -hmm. I'm sitting there and and I'm reading different workarounds and watching different youtuber videos and they're like oh yeah you know all you got to do is buy another monitor and i'm like i'm gonna buy another monitor i'm like i just paid <laughs> this camera plus what i paid for the uh for the lenses whatever so i ended up selling everything and getting like i said the 70d and the 70d i picked up because it, it had that dual purpose 
functionality of just having that really good dual pixel autofocus for um, audio. I mean, for video and for photo. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the the quality of lenses I was able to use were were very very vast, and they were very very affordable. I mean, the Nifty Fifty, I think I bought for like seventy five bucks. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I I used that and like the kit lens. And I did a lot of photos and videos. And then I stayed with Canon for a while, but the 70D was just heavy. You know, you had to wear mm-hmm. it around with like a big lens. So I went to the, um, went back I to went Sony. back. Yeah. I went back to Sony for a little bit. Couldn't get past the damn, the damn monitor. And, um, I'm like, I need that Canon level autofocus, but I need a smaller form factor. And that's when Canon started doing their mirrorless. So I yeah. picked up the M50, and I used the M50 for for quite some time. But what happened was with the M50, you can only do 1080p because if you shot in 4K for video, you didn't have this image, the st- the stabilization oh. kind of crop factor. Yeah. So. Yeah, with zoom in. I, yep. So what ended up happening then is I said to myself, Sony had come out with the A6400, which is what I have now. And they added an articulating screen that folded up, and I said, "All right, that's that's a positive." And then they removed the uh, the recording limit because what happened was when you would shoot with the Sony cameras, they would either overheat mm-hmm. or they would that. or they would break out. You know, the files would get broken into smaller formats if you went over a certain time period. But the 6400, much like a lot of Panasonic's cameras, no longer have those recording limits. Wow. Yeah, I, rem- I remember when you and I went to Photo Plus this year and you were walking around with your Sony camera and you have a cage around it, you had accessories hanging off of it, and it yep. was still really compact. Yep. And the lens you have is a telephoto, and I think, what was it, 18 to 24 or something? Or 18 to uh, 70? 18, 30, 18 to 35 was oh, the okay. six. And... um. And that lens, you know, that lens is phenomenal. And that lens is actually an adapted Canon lens. Mm-hmm. At that Canon, I had that lens on my M50, and I had that lens on my my 70D and my 80D. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's carried me through. It still the- looked compact, considering that you had a much bigger lens on it. Yep. Now I remember, and I haven't talked about this on my podcast before. I had a Micro Four Thirds system for a while, on top of my Nikon. And I used the GF, uh, the not GFX. That's what I have now, but the Panasonic Lumix G, uh, G7. And I had that strictly for 4K because it was one of the cheapest cameras that you can purchase that had 4K capability. That's right. And it was really small, had a articulate, well, has an articulating screen. I don't own it anymore, but you can still buy it at a cheap price. And it was a really good street camera because I could hold it with one hand and be very uh, stealthy with it. But we all get caught up in sensor size and whether Micro Four Thirds is capable of competing with, a, let's say, full frame or whatever. Uh, but I, I will say about Sony, I remember when they came out with the first Alpha and it was the Sony uh, A1. I, I, they they have so many that I forget what the original was called. 
Yep, I I had an A fifty five at one point. That was like my first, 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 first wow. camera. <laughs> and and that one I was um it was good because you could use Minolta glass. So I was buying like used Minolta Natively? glass. Yep. You, oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, no so adapter, was, huh? Yeah, I was buying uh, I was buying used Minolta glass like online and just like really messing around and trying to learn how to how to shoot. But again, same thing. And I ended up selling that one because it had the uh, very loud focus noise when yeah. you went doing video and you just hear the yep. <laughs> you know, that's when you need a, an off camera microphone system, recording system yep. uh, to combat that. But the thing with, with Sony is that that alpha system is full frame. And at the time when I was just starting to get serious about photography and I'm watching YouTube videos, about this full frame camera that was the size of my Lumix G7, basically. And at that time, which is not long ago, it was about five years ago, I wasn't really keen on the idea of that there was a full frame sensor on this small body. And I remember listening to all the reviews and, and reading them, watching them. And everyone was really impressed, so surprised that Sony was doing this and and stating that it was a game changer. I even met a, a, a parent at a swim meet for my son's school, and we were talking about cameras. He had a camera, uh, big Canon lens, you know, we're talking, and he's saying, I can't wait to get me a, a, the new Sony cameras. It's changing, the, it's changing the game. But now that I look back, because I have a GFX system, which is big, is a medium format camera, but still small for a medium format camera. Uh, Sony really changed the game uh, for the for the best and for the worst. Because Sony is the manufacturer that not only a lot of these camera man, uh, camera manufacturers use their sensor, but every like six months there's a new Sony camera. So they're, yeah. they're treating it like a cell phone, basically. Yeah, I think that that's a big problem. But mm -hmm. what happened is that there, uh, in addition to that, and that was a big, it, for me, like when I had the Sony a6300, I'm like, all right, I, it checks off all the boxes. Then they're like, well, but the 6500 has the in, the in-body image stabilization and doesn't really overheat. And then after that, when they came out with the 6400, people got all mad. And they're like, what are we doing, going backwards? Yeah, that was weird. That was really comical. Yep, 6400. <laughs> then they did an entry level, which was 61, and then they did an up, uh, the, you know, the full the full kit, which was the 6600, which has in body image stabilization and a bunch of stuff. So, at, at that rate, think about it. You went from your mid. You did a low range, which has pretty much almost all of the capabilities as the mid range, and then the high range has the one that's really, really up there with all the capabilities. I think that what happens is, and again, you know, this is an APS-C sensor versus a full frame. When you get into full frame, you got A7S, A7R, all these other numbers, and it, and it does become overwhelming. And I think that something that you, you definitely do quite a bit is that at the end of the day, you can shoot the best image and the best cameras, the one you have on you, mm -hmm. phone, or, you know, your medium camera, your full frame camera, whatever the camera is, a gimbal. I mean, I just got into the uh, 
the Osmo pocket gimbal. Yeah, that that freaked me out when you when you showed me that because it's so tiny and it's yep. the capability of of using that is so incredible. It's it's amazing. Yep, and I think that that's where that's where so many people you just got to find the best usage out of it. But a lot of it also is that people, a lot of YouTubers now are using a lot of Sony stuff. You know, there's very there's a couple of guys yeah. that I that are, that are using more. You know, like the Canon EOS R which is Canon's more like pro level mirrorless or, you know, certain Panasonic's because obviously the 4k, the unlimited recording, but, mm-hmm. but now the barrier of entry is so small that you got guys shooting with like black magic cameras now. Cause black magic has a, has oh, a, yeah. a, a, the, the, a camera system now. Mm-hmm. And that is strictly video. And, and the, the video quality is really amazing for the size of that camera. Yep. Now, not only do you see a lot of YouTubers using Sony, but you go on Instagram and you see, I follow a lot of photographers on Instagram and a lot of them will show like how a shot was made. So they'll have three photos in one slide and they'll show, you know, uh, the lighting system. And then they, of course they have the camera, which is a Sony system and nothing wrong with that. It's just not my cup of tea, but the, you know, the the only problem I have with Sony is the fact that they come out with so many in such a limited time, which oversaturates the market. But if you're a smart consumer and you don't fall for the hype, you can make a wise selection and buy. A, if you're into Sony, you could buy a highly capable Sony Alpha for cheap. Absolutely. Brand new price, too. Yep. I got mine. The 6400 I got, I got it from B&H as an open box, and it pretty much cost. I pretty much paid for it what I got what I got when I sold my M50. So I oh, sold wow. my 50 and the lens, and and you know I had two native EFM lenses. I kept my Sigma, so I sold the camera, the lenses. It had its own cage and everything, and the money I made back, I was able to pay for the Sony 6400 with the kit lens. So. Yeah, which is a great deal because I heard that kit lens is not too bad either. Now, you stated the best camera you have is the one that's on you. A lot of people have mobile phones. And we were talking about the 70D for Canon. And that same autofocus system was on Samsung phones for a while too, which is why you were able to take such quick focusing shots. So that Canon autofocus system is really good it 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 has worked its way into a lot of things besides its camera bodies so being that you're you know you're probably as far as time frame wise you're probably into photography as uh, the same amount of time as i have been what has been the biggest challenge in photography so far Oh, um, the biggest challenge for me, number one, is getting fully comfortable, um, you know, going beyond like auto or aperture or shutter priority and really learning the ins and outs. Because, again, I didn't have, you know, any sort of dedicated photography class or anything. So I'm just learning as I go. Um, That's probably been the biggest challenge, especially when it comes now, now that I have a, you know, a a young kid. a, A lot of times I spend time just capturing photos of of her Mm -hmm. and about that is like 
anything else. It's the camera that you have on you. Yeah. So like when she was born, I took my, you know, I took my big camera with me and I took like the first photos of her in the hospital and, you know, they were professionally, they, they, they almost look like they were professionally done. Yep. And I think that's one of the bigger things that we have nowadays that to your point, people, they, they're into, you know, crop factors, megapixels, this, that, and a third. It's the same thing with cell phones. And if you're just using a phone to call text and maybe watch the occasional video or two, you don't need the, the, the $1,200 iPhone plus like, you don't. <laughs> so it's the same thing with, with cameras, you know, like, like, yeah, you can get the one with 22 megapixels, this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, the functions, meaning, you know, aperture priority, shutter priority, and auto are pretty much the same. Every yeah. system has those same three options at your disposal. And then obviously each one has their own other unique capabilities. But at the end of the day, that's been the biggest challenge, just getting more comfortable creating that stuff in a more manual format. But like I said, it's mostly because I want to do it so quickly that I don't want to sit there and mess with the shutter and, and do all this stuff. Like I just want to click and go. And then, you know, I'll, 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 you leave it with, um, uh, you know, at least four or five shots that I'll take. And mm -hmm. I'm sure out of the four or five, one will be good. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And you know, because I'm into Fuji so much street photography is a very big, uh, there's a big community focused around street photography within the Fuji community. So one thing that a lot of the more uh, the more well-known Fuji shooters who have showcased their street photos, there are some who will say that they put it in program mode, and the only thing they're worried about is getting the proper frame and yep. the proper subject to go together with what they have in their head. So it's not all about being a purist all the time. Like for me, I forced myself to use manual as soon as I got my first DSLR because I wanted to know the basics. I wanted to know that if I do put something on program mode, what is it's, what is the camera going to do? And if it's something that I don't agree with, then I can have a backup plan and do it manually. But the thing with camera bodies, and this is a funny story because last year I just wanted, like, for some reason, I woke up one day and I started looking at the Fuji X Pro 1. I started looking at videos. I started looking at reviews. And for some reason, I just had to get me a Fuji X Pro 1. I was looking on eBay. I was trying to compare prices just to see how it would average out, make sure I wasn't getting jerked around. And of course, when you buy something on eBay, you just don't know what exactly you're going to get. So I found one that was starting, I believe, at $300. And then it, uh, the seller was asking you to make a bid. So <laughs> I bid it at the starting price. So he goes, eh, I'm going to have to uh, decline your offer. I, I think I'm going to get me $400. I said, okay, no problem. I'm going to. I'm placing myself a bid anyway. Lo and behold, I won the bid at $300. <laughs> but when I, when I got that camera and it's one of Fuji's oldest cameras, I, I was so, uh, I was so enamored with the style, the feel. And then of course I, I paired it up 
with the 35 millimeter f1.4 and i was like oh my god these images are they feel somewhat old but of course they're digital so it's not truly a film but it, it felt like a film look and that's when i realized that with that older camera that i paid 300 dollars for i can still do things that I can do with a more expensive camera. And, you know, the most important thing about photography or purchasing photography equipment is to make sure that you have a lens that you know exactly what you're going to get from a, from a view standpoint. Like when I bought the 23 millimeter, when, when you have AS, uh, APC or, or I always say it wrong, but you have to, account for the magnification. Yep. So it, and, and you have a field of view that is similar to a 50, but it, well, not with the 23, it was more like a 34 or a 35 millimeter. So I had to get used to that because for a while I was walking around with 35 millimeter, which was close to a 50. And so when I shot my first image with the 23, I was like, Oh my God, now I have to adjust and, and re familiarize myself with a new viewpoint. And so that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to use this 23 as long as I can until I know without having to look through the viewfinder that I have something that is within a frame that is, is going to match this particular focal length. And so it, it, you know, I always stay, stay, uh, say to people that, that want to get into photography, get a lens that you're going to feel good with and make that the biggest purchase. A camera body, you can get away with a used camera body, but that lens, make sure that's the biggest purchase. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I think that the, the the lens and this goes back to what i said with that sigma 18 to 35 i've gone through it already with you know four bodies and it's still it's still amazing for you know it still delivers amazing photos i mean the bulk of the photos i think i took of uh, of my daughter the first year were with that sigma lens yeah sigma is is uh i haven't owned a sigma lens but i've seen them throughout the five years i've been really into photography and, and they've come out with some really like the cinema lineup. Those are like really, really good lenses. And I've shot with, uh, an old Nikkor 105 to, uh, it's a 105 millimeter F 2.5. And that lens, even though it's not the sharpest, but there's a character to it. So they say, you know, like, for example, I could buy the same exact Sigma lens that you own, Rich. But because it's glass and the way it's designed that no two lenses are going to look the same. So each lens is going to have a character. So yeah, because of, you know, you're, you're depending on glass, you know, glass on top of glass on top of glass. So there will be some different characteristics, characteristics for the same lens. Absolutely. Now, What's your plans with photography? Like, is it something that you plan to get into more or are you going to do what a lot of new photographers tend to do when they first start is 
take photos of the family and then expand? Like what, what's, if you do have any plans for the future as a photographer, what, what are they? I think that the driving force for me is going to be, um, more, definitely more photos just of, of my family, just because that's, that's the easiest. And I think that that's where the bulk of my time is spent. But then the, the secondary aspect is just getting better with, um, product photos for a lot of the content we put on the site. Um, you know, I definitely want to make sure that I don't have to go and go to the manufacturer's website to get a photo of a product to get like that, that, that really crisp product photo. Like I'm starting to create more of them myself, like all the thumbnails and stuff. I'll try and do like a, like an overhead shot on a desk and try and frame it out to make it look like a, like a, like a more natural product shot. So I think that that's really been the bulk of it. And, um, you know, obviously just upping my video, the video aspect of my game too, with the, with the camera I have, because, you, you know, now that I went back to Sony, I went back to utilizing one camera when I was using the M50 or, or some of the other cameras, I was using the, the, the camera for photos. And then I had a separate Sony, um, Canon camcorder, which I was using oh, okay. for video, which had like the XLR handle and I was plugging the mics into it and everything. But when you're a, a one man operation for event coverage, mm-hmm. so you got to go smaller and more nimble. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've gone down to, to the Sony 6400. It's like, that's gotta be my photo and video machine. And I got to make sure that I, that I'm 100% comfortable on both sides of the coin with that. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, that Sony camera you have is, as I stated earlier, it's really small. So it's definitely a worthy, companion to have for video and photos because uh it's tiny and i was like like i've i've seen them at best buy but i've never seen it that close when we went to photo plus and i'm like holy crap that thing is super tiny and compact but powerful at the same time yep and that's what i mean like like i wanted to go smaller footprint i wanted to just carry less of a of a giant backpack you know, things like that. And I think that that's one thing that so many people get caught up in. It's like, oh, they buy all this gear. And it's like, listen, you got to lug all of that gear with you. <laughs> you know, like like when you were at the, at the at the expo, you went, you put all your stuff in one little backpack. You yeah. weren't uncomfortable. You kept it moving. And that's what happens. I'm like, I'm like, listen, I don't need to carry a hundred things. I mean, the only thing that I'm still, that's a limiting factor for me to have is just a good travel tripod in case of an emergency. But now that I got the, uh, the switch pod, I got that covered too. Yeah. And that's a monopod, right? Yeah, uh, it can fold out into a small tabletop tripod, but it's also a, uh, a good handheld, like a uh, vlogging rig. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. That's right. You did show me that. That, that, yeah, that was a, a really cool design. Like it's really flat when you fold it. Yep. Yeah, I just bought myself a tripod that has some carbon fiber in it, so it's really light, and it was on sale during Black Friday. And yep. so it folds away really nice and compact. And because I have a Fuji GFX, I'm learning more and more that it's better to have a tripod with me. I don't use it all the time, but there are times where if I want to get a really low shot, I'm not going to be struggling to squat and hold this big old camera in in a, in a, in a way that I, I would normally use a, a smaller mirrorless camera like my X-H1 or my X-Pro one. So 
being that your 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 daughter, she's very young and growing right before your eyes, and so having a camera right by your side, you know, or your camera phone or your smartphone, excuse me. Uh, do you plan to print any of these photos out as as time goes on? Yeah, I think I think eventually we're gonna have to. I mean, right now. Uh, obviously with digital photography it's like the photo album is kind of a thing of the past uh yeah. you know you you print as you go but when you have kids you you know you want to kind of have certain things that you could pass on or pull out and show them and not go oh walk over to the screen and let me show you so we've we've printed out here and there i mean my wife my wife is a big uh shutterfly user she gets oh, dust cool. <laughs> but she's always she's always printing out photos that of her either that we take or that we take candid candidly and she uses that and sends them around to certain people or we use them for how's, certain how's for the certain quality because i've quality, thought about using quality, it good quality is good for shutterfly i think um we we uh she printed some photos just locally like at cvs and like the the the, the color was kind of washed out Mm-hmm. The paper wasn't as good, you know, but Shutterfly, she's, she's never complained. You can and do that right on also, your phone, right? What, what was that? Shutterfly, you could do it right on your phone? Yeah, you could do it on your phone or you could do it right from your desktop. I think she's done it from the phone a few times, but it's good just to make gifts. Like we, I, we actually just sent my father-in-law like a mug with some photos of my daughter, uh, wow. things like that. So just real quick. And and I think that that's been a big thing, and and I plan to do more of that, like more storybook, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like storybooks and stuff like that, which you know I'll probably end up doing for her as she gets older. Yeah, yeah, and uh, as I stated earlier, you and I have known for many years, and so you've seen my son growing up. Yep, and 100%. I still look at photos of when he's young, and it brings me back to when I was able to carry him. And he's like, you know, your daughter's height and I'm carrying him all, all over the place. And sometimes I miss that. So as a, you know, you're a first time father, it's going to go quick and photography. Absolutely. It's such a great way to help with guys like us who, who have an only child and you're seeing them grow so fast. And then sometimes you could look back to when they were younger and just get get those memories back for for a brief moment. It's really special. So my advice to you is just keep shooting away. There there are plenty of Fuji shooters on on several Facebook groups, and you see them doing that all the time, taking photos of their families and sharing it. And it's, and there are a few guys who I feel like I've seen their kids growing up because. Yep. I'm like, oh my God, they're so big now. And it's, you know, five years of, of seeing their kids grow up. So there's something really special about that. And I advise everyone all the time, take photos of your family, print them, make a photo album. I have a photo album, an old one, and it's really old when I peel back the plastic. Yep. It's so old that the glue sticks to the plastic. So it's basically useless so yep. i've purchased i've been able to purchase smaller portable photo albums and i have different size papers so once i'm finished with my son's project i want to do like a little book for that 
and then make another photo album uh, specifically for him. Uh, you know, it's just fun. It's something to do. It's it for us older guys. You know, I'm, I'm well. I'm older than you are. I'm 47, but gives us something to do. You know, a, a nice little pet project. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it's just another way to keep photography active. I mean, you know, all of my photos now I have them stored on a server and that's exactly it. It's like, Oh, come to this, come stand at my computer screen and see these photos. Like (laughs) you still want to have like that coffee table book or that coffee Mm -hmm. table album of, you know, or or even just a coffee table book of your own photography. It's always nice. People like to see that stuff and it just goes to show the versatility of the medium. I think so many people are like, like, I'm not going to lie. When I used to buy an iPhone, I'd buy it with the most storage just because I didn't want to delete anything. And yeah. now it's like, I, you know, the iPhone I have, like, the, you know, I have, I think just a, of my kid, it's like, you know, the, the, you have 1500 <laughs> photos and it's like, oh, I guess I do. You know, and that, that's, that's how it goes. And that goes back to what I was saying, you know, that about the camera you keep on you, but mm-hmm. uh, the digital photography and I tell the people this and uh, I'll, I'll tell your audience too. just make sure you have some place to save everything yeah. that you can account for, you know, power failures, things like that. You want to have some sort of redundancy because mm-hmm. nothing is more heartbreaking than having, you know, your your entire kids photos on a on a computer or someplace. And then that computer dies or the hard drive dies and you lose all those photos because that's a that's a big, big, big thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was. There was someone I knew who I think his wife, her, her father or or something, there was, it was a situation where someone needed to keep a phone active Uh because there were photos that she couldn't, well, at the time, as a matter of fact, it was my old partner, his, his father-in-law had passed and his wife was like, I can't get rid of this phone. There's photos of my father. I want to keep videos of him. And I don't know how to, you know, obviously we figured it out, but she was like so paranoid that they would shut the phone down or or the phone would just die out. The battery would, wouldn't come back on. And so, yeah, that desperation is, it could have, there will come a time where that, form of desperation will hit you and you're like oh my god all these photos what am i going to do i lost my phone it's stolen luckily with cloud storage you, you have it somewhere amazon you can upload your photos google yep, plus amazon, google photos yeah uh, google photos i mean yep and uh, so just even Flickr, it gives you like i think a gig or something yep. well no a terabyte i think something like that I, or yeah they, they, they had one they used to give like a big plan and then mm-hmm. once change the 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 format, I think they made it to where it was very, it was tiered. Yes. Yeah. Because they keep asking me to upgrade and I'm like, nope. So there are free services that you can upload your photos for a little while. I, I pay the extra money on Apple. Like we get a terabyte and a lot of our photos are shared and, and uploaded there, but there's nothing like printing and having the physical version 100%. of that photo and, and just seeing it old school, the old school way. Yeah, well, and like I said, it creates it creates conversation because, like I said, if you have a nice coffee table book and, you know, people come over for the holidays and they'll see it or 
whatever you want to thumb through it or it it, it just becomes it, it goes back to when we were younger and, and the parents would pull out the photo album with the embarrassing <laughs> photos nope. i mean you could still you could still do all of that versus here scroll through my phone you know yeah yeah and quickly before we we run when uh my last episode i talked about taking the team photo from my old football team my high school football team when i gave my coach the photo and I had a an extra frame, so I framed it for him, gave it to him, and the look in his face was he had this big smile and he was like, This is so effing awesome. Yep. And I was like, Wow, you know, like and he's he's holding it and looking at it and I'm like it, that same reaction, I would not have gotten that same reaction if I was showing it to him on my phone. Hundred percent. And so there's a magic to it. Of seeing it a physical, yeah, a physical, especially nowadays. They used, I find myself, and sometimes I catch myself and I force myself to slow down, like on social media, like Instagram or Facebook. Sometimes I'm just scrolling through photos and not really looking at these photos. And that's because there's an overkill of people posting photos all over the uh, social networks. Yep. And a lot of the times you see a flood of of niche photos. Like what's in the what's in what's popular now? Like before was the little globe or the little round ball. People were taking photos of this sphere and you could see what's behind the sphere. I, you know, or smoke. Yep. There's always a theme there's always a theme. Everybody does a different one. The yeah. um the the girlfriend dragging the boyfriend yes by the, the hand, hand or <laughs> hand photo and they're using the same color palette you know and, and after a while of seeing so many of that of those photos you tend to just keep scrolling because you're kind of like programmed to like okay okay I'm gonna see the same thing and then sometimes you overlook a really good photo so. Part of what I do is I try to filter that, filter that out by deleting accounts and I slow down when I scroll. So this way I'm not missing inspiring photos. And that's what inspires me is seeing what other people do. Yep. Of course, the professionals and, 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 and the forefathers of, of photography, you know, I, I often look at old photos, even art, paintings, statues, whatever, whatever it takes to to give me some inspiration but mainly it's what i see other photographers doing so yeah sometimes i'm guilty of just scrolling past stuff and three days later i'm like wow that's a nice photo and it was like put up three days ago and i feel like a jerk happens man it happens you know we 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 consume so much content that Mm -hmm. it, it we gotta it's like you have to stop and smell the roses you know yeah 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 and you stated it you stated it correctly. We consume so much different content, whether it's YouTube, social media, photography, movies. Sometimes you just got to take take it easy, take a step back, and feed yourself less. Enjoy what you're eating. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it up. But before we do, Rich, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on uh, RageWorks.net and all of our content there uh personal and i have a personal instagram which is rage works rich i mostly just share 
sneakers and food and, you know, different photography that I just take on the go. But um, that's pretty much where you'll see more of the variety of content. Uh, in addition to that, obviously, you can find Rageworks on all social channels. You can find all of the podcasts on iTunes, et cetera, including Cheese, which is part of the Rageworks mm-hmm. network. So um, you can just punch up Rageworks and you'll find us. Awesome, Rich. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. And I look forward to seeing more photos of your daughter growing up and and seeing you expand on your photography as well. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So take care. And as always, to the general audience, thank you for listening to another episode of Cheese, a photography, a photography podcast. Excuse me. I'm Jose Betancourt. Talk to you soon.